0: You're listening to Country Life with Keith Fahy on Galway Bay FM.
1: Good evening. I'm Keith Fahy, and welcome to this week's edition of Country Life. On the show this week, we're delighted to have Michelle McGrath from Animal Health Ireland talking about calf rearing. We also have Dermot McSweeney from TrueNorth Technologies and moregrass.ie and we're we'll also speak to Francis Quigley, who's a machinery specialist, and is going to focus on the topic of uh, GPS spreaders. Uh, plus, we'll have all the latest from the Mart reports and any farming news from across the county. And if you have any, in- if you have any interest or any um, you'd, any topics you'd like covered, uh, please don't hesitate to contact us at life at galwaybfm.ie that's life at galwaybfm.ie so if you have any topics there you'd like uh, covered or any questions uh, or queries uh, don't be afraid to email us at countrylife at galwaybfm.ie uh, and we will get back to you. Also uh, in this week's Irish Farmers Journal um, they have a 40 page magazine on CAP uh, this is all every farmer needs to know about the undertakings of the new CAP and how it is going to affect uh, farm schemes and incomes going forward. Uh, it's packed with with sector-by-sector case studies and there will be a full breakdown and glossary of all the terms and the schemes in it also. And also on Ear to the Ground this week, so the programme is on uh, Thursday evening at... um this Thursday the 16th uh, at 7pm and the repeated again is at 1.10 on Sunday and they will cover a number of different topics including land prices prices for renting leasing and buying farmland in Ireland are reaching historic levels for many reasons Uh, expansion in the dairy sector investment opportunities and the scarcity of supply Uh, for some farmers who have been in rental agreements for years the future is now uncertain Darren McCullough meets one farmer Kilkenny Kilkenny, uh, adapting how he runs uh, his enterprise to cope with uncertainty they will also cover pigs um, so the last 18 months has been cited as the toughest in a generation for pig farmers global events caused spiking energy and fee costs while the same time the pig prices were slow to catch up according to Chagas the average Irish farm, Irish pig farm made a loss of over 600,000 for over that period Helen Carroll will visit the pig farmer uh, Roy Gale uh, in, K- in Kildare to find out how the global market impacts and his, uh, impacted his enterprise and what n- happens and what needs to be done to get the sector back on its feet again and also they will uh, talk to John Kelly last year the government announced that it was uh, committing to a 25% cut in emissions from the agriculture sector by 2030 uh, the dairy sector is coming under increasing pressure when it comes to this and they will look at how to see how, how they will tackle climate change while maintaining farmers livelihoods and Ellen McSweeney will um, spend the day with Wicklow farmer John Kelly uh, to get his, uh, his opinions on how he sees the sector changing in the future So that's just some uh, information in relation to the Ear to the Ground and the Farmer's Journal this week. So uh, both being released on Thursday at the Farmer's Journal, Thursday morning, and the Ear to the Ground is on Thursday evening at 7pm on RTE1. Um, So just uh, for some March reports... We see in Gart there last week heifers met up to three ninety seven per kilo and averaged two ninety five per kilo. At this sale bulls male bulls met up to three seventy nine a kilo and average three euro and one cent per kilo. Um some examples of bulls a five hundred and sixty kilo, cemental cross sold for sixteen ten or two hundred eighty eight a kilo, a cemental grass bull weighing five thirty five kilo, sold for fifteen sixty, a limousine cross weighing four four fifty kilo, sold for 13. 1390 euro or 356 a kilo. A four hundred and thirty kilo Charlie Bullock made twelve eighty or two ninety-eight a kilo. Um a Belgian uh, Blonde Equity and Crosswing 380 kilos sold for 1340 or 353 a kilo. A 360 kilo Belgian blue cross sold for 1240. Then onto some heifers. A limousine cross heifer weighing 520 kilos sold for 1750. Or that equates to 337 a kilo. A charlie cross heifer uh, weighing 545 kilos sold for 1690. Um, So uh, they also had their first on-farm online clearance on sale. Uh, clearance sale of in calf uh, British Frisian dairy cows and heifers on behalf of uh, Kieran Burnell from Tubber uh, genuine sale of top quality stock demand was strong ringside and online the top price paid on the day was 2650 and the average price was 2200 um, so successful purchasers were from Clare Galway Meath, and Mayo and on to Hedford some average prices for the Hedford uh, sheep sale with some prices up 35 cents a kilo uh, with tops of 323 per kilo in lamb yos and uh, Second to fifth crops, uh, six kilos sold at sold for 148, seven at 172, eleven at 152. Rams um, made up to 96. uh, Rams made up from 96. Lamb prices made the jump on last week. Fourteen lambs at 34 kilos sold for 85. Two at 46 sold for 120. Ten at 39 sold for 126. Um, so in terms of the cattle sale in Hedford cow prices were up on the previous week with most close to 3 euro a kilo and some even more sucklers with calves at foot made 1300 average while in calf cows made from 263 to 327 um a kilo so some bullocks there a speckled park 310 kilo bullocks sold for 780 or 252 a kilo a shardy cross weighing 470 kilo sold for 1080 or 230 a kilo uh, Hereford Cross, weighing 460 kilos, sold for 1,200, or that equates... Um, yeah, sold for 1,200. And Aberdeen Angus, uh, weighing 470, sold for 1,310, or that equates to 2,78 a kilo. And then onto some heifers, a 600 kilo Charlie Cross heifer, sold for 1,750, or 2,85 a kilo. A 615 kilo um heifer, sold for 1,750, uh, or that's 2,85 a kilo. And uh, So that's uh, some prices there in terms of sheep and lamb for the the Hedford Mart. So uh, in relation to Tume, Toome's Mart sale on Monday the 13th of uh, February, so that's yesterday, saw a lively trade with many factory agents, feedlot buyers and an abundance of farmers in attendance. Turnout was strong for the time of the year and many farmers are booking in in advance uh, due to the calibre of prices being achieved in Tume. This week saw the second uh, waning sale uh, in Tume, which was met with an exceptional trade for both bull and heifer wailings. Um, and the sale provided... Um, uh, a lot of interest and to book in, um, uh, you can contact 093 24353. So, some sample uh, cow prices included a 745 kilo Aberdeen Angus Cross selling for 2,150 or 289 a kilo, a 685 kilo Limousine Cross uh, cow made 12, 2,160 or that equates to 315 a kilo. Some sample, Some sample heifer prices included a 430 kilo. A uh, Charlie Cross heifer made 1290 or 3 euro a kilo. A 550 kilo Limousine Cross heifer made 1720 or 313 a kilo. Then some sample bullock prices included a 325 kilo Charlie Cross selling for 1050 or 323 a kilo. A 655 kilo Aberdeen Angus Cross made 2200 or 336 a kilo. Some sample heifer weighing prices included a 330 kilo Limousine Cross heifer made 1270 making 1270 or 385 a kilo. A 350 kilo limousine cross heifer at 1360 or 389 a kilo. Some sample waning bull prices included a 315 kilo limousine bull waning selling for 1100 or 349 a kilo. A 390 kilo Belgian blue cross bull waning sold for 1630 or 418 a kilo. A pair of 310 kilo limousine bull waning sold for 1170 or 377 a kilo. Next week is the return of the morning sale, which takes place at 11 am. Monday the 27th seventh. will see the return of the evening waning sale kicking off at 530 Uh, PM. So we're delighted to have Francis Quigley on the line with us. So Francis, you're a a fire machinery and milking machine specialist with uh, Chagas, I suppose. Firstly, you might tell us a little bit about your role with uh, Chagas, Francis. Uh,
0: Thanks, uh, Keith. Yeah, look, I suppose my role... um, i as a farm machinery and maker machine specialist I suppose covers a, a kinda of maybe a wide range, but you know, we'd be focusing obviously on on training people up on getting the best out of their machines, you know, whether that be fertilizer spreaders, slurry spreaders, you know, even just basic calibration uh and and set up in regards to that. I'd also get a lot of I suppose inquiries about maybe you know, technology and, um, you know, maybe the likes of the, the GPS granted equipment and that. So, you know, advisors, you know, would often send farmers to me maybe to discuss that in a bit more detail, maybe just to, I suppose, maybe talk through the information they're getting from maybe their local dealer um, and, and just maybe to understand it a little bit clearer. From the milking machine point of view, I suppose we deal a lot with um, training up the likes of the milking machine technicians on how to test the, the equipment. Um, we'd be obviously dealing with you know uh, talking to farmers about servicing and maintaining the equipment. So, like, do a lot of events with, say, our discussion groups and things like that as well as large public events we have a number of of, uh, events going ahead um, the next week uh, on fertiliser spreaders one in UCD and and one in Palace Henry on just uh, I suppose basic setup and calibration as well as the GPS technology
1: You mentioned you know spreading fertiliser there I suppose is there a difference we'll say spreading the likes of your urea and your protected urea versus your we'll say the likes of your 18612s or your can based products
0: Sure look there there's no doubt there is like I suppose one of the i suppose great things about a fertilizer spreader is that um you know these are they're quite advanced pieces of equipment do you know people often i suppose class the maybe the sprayer as you know you know uh, i suppose a task that needs a, a skilled operator you know, and um and will only put the best guy on the sprayer you know, but the reality is the sprayer is actually spreading essentially you know water with a bit of chemical through it you know, so the 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 products that it's 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 actually applying are almost identical in consistency and they're actually only applying it maybe to 50 centimeters you know of a width for each nozzle whereas if you take a fertilizer spreader you know you're dealing with a piece of equipment that uses essentially you know a piece of steel maybe six to eight inches you know uh 300 uh mil long that's actually able to throw fertilizer to uh uh you know which you know, which are ever increasing. You know, you know, 15, 20, 25, 30, you know, plus meters. You know, these uh, machines are actually capable of spreading it. But I suppose one of the other challenges there, you know, is that the products are so different. You know, it can spread anything from you know, slug pellets to uh, seeds. You know, to you know, a range of different fertilizers. Um, and you know, to be able to do that uh, consistently and accurately involves the machine being set up properly so again look I'd be saying to people is just to you know take the time and maybe you know try and understand how the machine works I suppose that's what these workshops and that that we do uh, around the country are maybe you know there is tools out there that, you know, most of the companies have, have apps and that that actually allow you to get the settings for your machine um, so you know to make those adjustments uh, for the different types of fertilizers is important Okay. but as well as that I think the basics are important, you know, so even just getting the machine set up properly on the tractor, so getting it level on the back of the tractor, you know, making sure the tire pressure is even on both sides making sure you have the right height of machine you know so the, the the height of the disc is important you know over the crop uh a lot of people you know, might think that you'd be measured in the yard but you know if you think about it if you go out in a field that has a you know a lot of grass you know the wheels of the tractor are going to be down in the grass you know um but the grass is going to be reaching up to where the fertilizer is lying. so the machine height needs to be set in the field you know so getting those basics but i suppose one of the critical things that i, I find that's getting skipped or missed by a lot of people is just basic uh maintenance, you know, and in particular the the veins. Those veins like they're 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 quite short. You're only talking about, as they say, Joe, you know, uh, you know, three hundred, maybe four hundred mil long, Joe you know, pieces of steel. Um but the, they have a critical role in, in throwing that fertiliser, Joe, you know, out evenly and accurately. And if they're worn, which you know, an awful lot of them out there are worn and and you know, you get ripples in that in them. You know, and and even leave them long enough, and you'll have holes in them. Do you know, uh, if they're not if they're worn or damaged, you know, they're going to have a, a a detrimental effect on how far the fertilizer gets thrown. So I'd I'd urge people just to maybe take the time and have a look at the veins on the fertilizer spreader, see that they're they're uh, in good condition, and you know, if they are starting to ripple or starting to to sign, show signs of wear, um, they should be changed. You know. I suppose a typical set of veins costs maybe in around, you know, I suppose around 300 euros plus the vash, you know, you'd be kind of expecting to pay for for those veins. But again, like it it is the most important part on, on the machine.
1: Okay um, And as you said there You mentioned GPS Fertiliser spreaders You know they're becoming Obviously very important With grants and all that um, We'll say for Maybe some of our listeners Who aren't familiar With GPS Fertiliser spreaders uh, You know How are they How do they work um, And you know I suppose Why should farmers Use them
0: yeah. Look, in fairness, uh, I suppose you know the, the the GPS technology is is great in that. Basically, I suppose one of the primary roles are one of the you know the, the base of GPS is controlling the fertilizer spreader. So if you go and set up your standard sh- spreader. Uh, um you need to calibrate that spreader. So you need to measure how much fertilizer is actually coming out of the machine. So you'd make adjustments on the on we'll say the the, the shelter position which is the opening in the bottom of, of the machine. Um so you'll take that maybe from the app or, or maybe from figures that you you know you know uh, from previous uh, experience. But like everybody knows that you get a nice fresh bag of fertilizer and you know you Punch a hole in the bottom of that bag of fertilizer, you know. Even a small hole, and the whole bag of fertilizer will flow uh, quickly out of the bag and into the spreader, you know. Whereas you get a, you know, a bag that maybe has been stored for, you know, a period period of time, or is, you know, maybe uh, maybe the astral fertilizer, you know. And you go and, and punch a hole in the bottom of the bag, you, you find that uh, maybe uh, it comes out slower, or in some cases, it mightn't come out at all. You might be going for for maybe uh, a bit of persuasion to get out, get it out of it. If you think, you know, if if it's flowing differently, the same bag of fertiliser is flowing differently out of the bag, it's going to flow differently out of the bottom of the spreader. The hole in the bottom of the spreader is going to stay the same size. So uh, it is important to to check and calibrate, you know, how much is coming out of the bottom of the spreader because that will determine your application rate. The beauty of the GPS spreader is basically, you know, what it's doing is it's actually measuring how much fertilizer is coming out of the machine. So a lot of them work on the basis of kind of a weight cell on the hopper. So it's a bit like your diet feeder. Uh, the whole uh, hopper is sitting up on these weight cells and it's measuring the, the weight of fertilizer. Now, based on the forward speed that you're doing and the working with it you're doing, the machine knows how much fertilizer should be leaving that machine you know, in a minute. And it's constantly... Checking to see that the right rate is leaving the machine, and it's constantly adjusting the opening in the bottom of the machine to make sure that that uh, amount is leaving. If the the more is coming out, it'll close it down a little bit. Uh, if too little is coming out, it'll it'll increase their, that opening a little bit. But it also because it's measuring the forward speed of the tractor, um, so in real time, if your tractor speeds up, if you speed up uh, the tractor, it'll increase the rate. Or if you slow down, it'll it'll decrease the rate. Okay, okay. Another area, though, that those GPS units have a big influence on is the on-off coming in there to the headlands. And I suppose it's one of the areas that uh, guys that get into these spreaders for the first time, Joe, you know, even contractors, Joe, uh, you know, who've been you know, using uh, fertilizer spreaders, you know, maybe, Joe, you know, day in, day out, the first time they get up on a GPS spreader, they tend to, uh, they'll do their headland run around the field and then they'll drive into the field uh, and they'll nearly always stop and say this thing is not working the reason being is they're not gone far enough into the fields Joe, you know, we're too used to reaching out the back window of the, the tractor joe would say like the, 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 the wagtail tail spreader and pulling down that lever joe you know, uh, um, and we're still i know we're doing it inside in the now with a hydraulic spool but the reality is we're actually opening that spool far too early in most cases you know where the GPS technology won't turn on that spreader until you're, you know, far enough out into the field. Because if you can imagine, you're throwing at 20 metres, you know, either side. You're throwing at 20 metres to the rear as well. You know? so we need to be gone further into the fields. Uh, so the GPS again takes that decision off the farmer and it actually turns on the machine uh, at the right time. And anecdotally, Joe, you know, there's nearly a 10% saving on that alone on literally turning it on at the right time. You know, so waiting long enough uh, uh, to turn on the spreader the other area that it will do is coming into narrow ground so when you're coming into the you know the narrow ground and the the end of the field it'll reduce the rate and the, the basic entry level spreader will reduce the rate uh, on that outside side to reduce down the amount of fertilizer that's going out there. The more high end spreader will actually reduce the working width as well. It'll actually uh maybe change the drop point or 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 maybe in some cases maybe even reduce the speed of the disc uh on that side to reduce how far the fertilizer gets thrown out on that side. So it's fantastic technology, Joe, um uh and I would, you know, highly recommend it, uh, certainly the entry level. And it's funny, Joe, you know, a lot of people might think that, Joe you know, it's, um, you know, the big tillage lads that actually, you know, should be investing. or And take, typically they're the guys that have invested in that technology, Joe, you know, up to recent times. But uh, it's funny, you know, when you take the on off on the headland and that 10% saving. The 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 it's the grassland guys that are actually meet headlands far more often than the tillage guys. Do you know mm. the tillage guy typically, typically tends to be in a much bigger field. Do you know whereas the grassland guy is going to meet headlands way more often than the the tillage guy. So he's going to see that even even more so. Do you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's very true, actually. Um, and just in relation to farm safety as well, Francis, you know, it's obviously of vital importance there. You mentioned, you know, the importance of getting machinery right and calibrated correctly in terms of, we'll say, economic losses or making sure that, you know, the seeding rates and fertilizer rates are, are you know, spot on. But obviously, it's vitally important to have good functioning machinery, having PTO chefs covered as well. I see, you know, Jagas this year got a lot of uh, the new simulators and they got a, a lot of, um, you know, the students there trying out the, driving the different machines it's it's a fantastic way for students you know who may not be used to driving big machinery to get a, a I suppose an insight into operating large machinery
0: Absolutely look and look and unfortunately you know we can't really, you know, talk about machinery without talking about safety. You know, the number of farm accidents, although, look, they have improved, you know, and gone down a little bit, but, you know, 50% of the farm accidents do involve machinery, you know, and look, I suppose, you know, in fairness, you know, you know, you know, farmers are under pressure, there's no doubt about that, like, you know, but we do need to take maybe that little step back and maybe try and identify those risks, and like, even if you take the fertiliser spreader, you'd say, you know, it's a relatively small machine, you know, how dangerous can it be can it be but like you know there has been accidents involving fertilizer spreaders you know particularly you know maybe the tractor that's been used on the fertilizer spreader might be you know in good condition and you know might be you know the the better tractor in the yard but you know with the big bags and loading the big bags um you know you need a second you know tractor in the yard to load that so again you know unfortunately joe Maybe the second tractor in the yard mightn't be as well looked after, and handbrakes and things like that. You know, and look, you know, you're you you need to make sure that you're not going in between the two machines when you're loading. So, you know, even a, a, a knife, you know, and a long handle, um, and they're, you know, they're available on the market. But even just to you know, weld a, a section of uh, of a uh, you know finger bar more that type of section even onto a bar, so you can reach in across. And and cut that bag without getting yourself in a position where you're between two, you know, heavy vehicles that might roll together, like and pinch, uh, or cause a a pinch point, and even you know putting on the spreaders because they're getting bigger the tractors are getting bigger that space to get in between the the wheel and the spreader is getting much much tighter joe and getting in even just to put on and take off pto shafts and things like that so like uh, absolutely i just urge people joe anywhere to do with machinery that they would just i suppose uh try and take the time just to identify the risks and, and 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 uh try and do anything they can just to eliminate or or um uh, take the time to um, avoid putting themselves in any position that they, they uh, m- might find, you know, that uh, is a high risk uh, operation.
1: Perfect. Thanks very much, Francis uh, Quigley from Chagas um, uh, at or Chagas, uh, who's a farm machinery and milking machine specialist. Thanks very much, Francis. A lot of uh, brilliant tips there and information on spreaders. Thank you.
0: Country life brought to you by your credit union. Cultivate. Providing farm-friendly finance across the west of Ireland. Credit unions in Ireland are regulated by the central bank. Terms and conditions apply.
1: So we're delighted to have Dermot McSweeney, who works with True North Technologies, um, a lot of grass uh, measuring equipment, along with uh, new products there as well. So Dermot, you're very welcome onto Country Life on Bay BFM. So firstly, maybe you might tell us a bit about yourself, Dermot. You, uh, where you work? You're working in True North Technologies, I suppose. Where you're based and uh, what exactly you do?
2: Excellent. Keith, Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, my name is DeWitt McSweeney and The most important thing to start with is uh, I'm I'm from Cork, and, <laughs> and uh, so yeah, I was, I was born and raised on a, a dairy farm and in, in Mid Cork. Um, went to college in UCC and um, ended up working then in, in Moore Park for five or six years. And uh, while I was there, as part of my my PhD studies at the time, we were developing. Um, technologies to work with um, intensive uh, pasture based production systems and uh, The main result to come out of that really was the grasshopper So the grasshopper for those who don't who don't know what it is It's um, a rising plate meter a very similar design to what people are familiar with But the difference is with the grasshopper it has a few extra features uh, prim- uh, primarily it would be the ability to map the farm give you a GPS, a map of the farm, measure the farm, upload that information to our our database, so all your information is backed up, and then ultimately use that information for allocating grass to cows. Um, yeah, um, True North Technologies spun out of that research at the time, so um, we came out of Moore Park, um, and uh, we're based in Shannon, in County Clare, so not too far down the road from you. Um, we're, yeah, our office is based there in the Shantown Centre. Centre, um, there's six of us there full time, and yeah, like you said, Grasshopper is the main, is, is, our, is our main um, piece of technology that we sell, and after that then we have a database called Grassland Tools, and then finally our weighing equipment, which is called uh, uh, right Livestock Weighing System.
1: Okay, okay. So I suppose you mentioned there measuring grass. Why should farmers measure grass? You know, what is it actually worth financially to farmers uh, to measure grass?
2: It's a very good question, Keith. Um, so just for uh, simple maths, if you were to take the National Farm Survey, they said the average dairy farm in the country is growing and utilizing eight tonnes of dry matter per hectare per year. So it's eight tonnes. The average person measuring grass, so the average person and doing covers 20 to 30 times a year putting that information up on pasture base they're growing in around 12 tons of dry matter per hectare per year so to go from the national average to the average person measuring is the equivalent of four extra tons of dry matter per hectare per year so it's the same thing as saying you're growing 50 percent extra grass and uh, to put it very simply if i told you to go out and Buy 50% more land. You'd, you'd look at me, but you know, with um, by measuring grass, you can effectively do the same thing. Grow 50% extra dry matter and fodder for the farm. And if you were to convert those into into values in euro values, the lowest value that was ever put on a ton of grass utilised within a dairy system was uh, 161 euros per ton, and that was back in 2009. It, that value is 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 closer to probably two hundred and eighty to three hundred euros a ton. So you'd be talk, so if we call it if we lowball it and say we're two hundred and fifty euros a ton, um by four extra tons per hectare, um, you're talking a thousand euros extra per hectare and then mul- multiply that up by the size of the farm. So it's worth an awful lot really in, in at the end of the day to a farmer. Uh, what what actually ends up
1: back in their pockets, yeah, that's very interesting interesting you know we see a lot of farmers you know willing to expand, you know, and a, a lot of farmers maybe think that you know maybe buying more land or renting more land uh, is the is the answer, but realistically, unless they're measuring the grass that they're growing themselves, they might have the potential to keep more stock on the same land uh, if they're not grazed or if they're not growing, you know if they have the opportunity to grow fifty percent more grass. Uh, it's a phenomenal difference so i suppose can you tell us uh, um a little bit about we'll say how you maybe gra- how you take the grass measurement um, and how the system actually works itself when you say you go into the field uh, how does it actually work
2: yeah absolutely so um keep it as simple as possible but um the first job you'll have to do when the grasshopper arrives in the farm is to walk the perimeter of each paddock getting only including the area that grows grass so the productive area of the farm and just to to warn your listeners that if you do go gps mapping your farm be prepared for bad news because on average most people lose between five and ten percent of what they think they have so well effectively what, what you're measuring is you know adjusted hectares so it's actually what's actually available to grow grass when you when you take away ditches roadways lanes um places you know, of stack bales, yards, all that kind of thing. Anything that's non-productive, when you, when you take that away from your whole land parcel, generally it's going to be down somewhere in the region of 5 to 10%. Um, that's the first job. Um, we, the grasshopper will, you'll take that out and you'll you'll map the perimeter of each paddock. Uh, it'll give you the accurate area. We'll, we can take that, that mapped in and export it as a PDF, put it up on a whiteboard that can to hang up in the parlour, print it out in with your printer at home so you can have those copies in the kitchen. It's a great communication tool, so if you have someone coming in to do some work, um, you, you can mark up your map, hand it over to them, and there's no confusion about where jobs are and where, what has to be done. Um, that's the mapping side, then onto the measuring. Um, a big selling point of Grasshopper is that any, anyone on the farm can pick it up, go out to the paddock and start measuring. So really what's involved in that is picking up the Grasshopper plate meter, the hardware itself, having the app on your phone connecting connecting them with bluetooth walk out into the paddock um, press down the uh, the grasshopper to take your first sample that'll locate you inside in the paddock because it knows like you've already defined the boundary so once you're inside the boundary it'll automatically select that paddock for you you'll you'll take off then um, and taking your 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 samples going across that field so as fast as you can walk the grasshopper can sample and what a sample really is is dropping the pole, letting the pole go down to hit the ground. The plate will moves up and down the pole, that plate will rest on top of the grass and when you when you press it down the last bit, it'll take a measure and that measure really is the compress the height of that compressed grass under the plate okay. so by getting that height, we can convert that to what people are familiar with using is kilograms of dry matter per hectare. That's the the kind of industry standard. So if you're talking in terms of dry matter, uh, a cow in mid-season peak lactation will will need somewhere between, depending on the breed and her production, somewhere between 17 and 21 kilos of dry matter. Um, And what what the grasshopper does is measure how much dry matter you you have out in the field, how much of that to allocate, and then you, you supplement inside. But I'll come back to that. So you're you're going across the paddock, you're taking your samples um on your phone. If you if you decide to have your phone out, you can you can lock it, put in your po- put it into your pocket or take a phone call or do something else on it. But if you if you are looking at the grasshopper app while you're measuring, what you're going to see is a map of the paddock, the a dots appearing on the screen of where the samples have been taken on the map, you're going to get all the live metrics coming in. So you get the last recorded height, the average height the cover per hectare, the cover per paddock, um, which is the cover per hectare multiplied by the size of the paddock. Your growth rate in kilograms of dry matter per day, how many kilos a day you're growing. And um, that's very interesting to keep an eye on paddocks that you that might be underperforming. Um, then, yeah, all that information will, will be saved on the phone as you're going around. Uh, when you come to the end of the, your first paddock, for example, you just press done, you'll go under the wire and repeat the process. Um, and walk around the farm as fast as possible and get all your information, all your grass measurement information up on your phone. Then the next step is uploading. So uploading is very simple. All you need to do is, um, when you're finished your walk, go into the home screen of the app, press the upload button, five seconds later, all the information has been sent up to PastureBase, is backed up in our system, and anyone else on the farm who has a phone and that has the grasshopper app they'll also have the up-to-date information so anyone on the farm can go out and measure and um, when they come when they upload their results everyone else in the farm will have them immediately on their phone and then finally uh, a very interesting feature that particularly for people making maybe robots but it does suit everybody really is allocation so allocation means that when you're finished your grass walk you go into Astrobase or Grassland Tools or whatever package you're using, you can you look at your grass wedge, decide where cows are going this week, and we'll say for example, pad of ten there is at um, fifteen hundred cover, and the the ideal pre grazing cover. You'll go down to pad of ten with just your pigtails and a reel and your phone. You will open up the app, you'll put in how many cows you have, how much grass in their diet per day and how long you're going to give them as a break. So just as an example, we have 100 cows, 17 kilos of dry matter a day of grass in their diet and then you want to leave them inside there for 12 hours. The app will calculate how much grass you need for that period of time and using the, the information from your last cover and the GPS on your phone, sort of like Google Maps, it'll bring you to where exactly to set up that strip wire. For that allocation, So you're always giving cows exactly what they need for the for the and and for the for that period of time.
1: Okay, so there's obviously so
2: that's kind of a very quick yeah summary yeah.
1: of it. Uh, so you know it's a it's a fantastic tool. You know if a farmer has you know as you said 100 cows there and they want to know what size paddocks. Yeah, you know to put in obviously it'll depend on the 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 amount of grass so there's a phenomenal you know even d- deciding paddock sizes and the, uh, how long they'll be in paddocks um giving the farmer a good idea, especially maybe during difficult uh, times of the year to manage grass. We'll say during the summer there, or May or June, where you'd have a very high amount of grass being grown. You're trying to off, you're trying to take off bales. You're trying to make sure that you have enough grass, but not too much. You don't want to go to, you don't want it going too stemmy as well. Obviously, as that'll hit milk production or beef will daily live weight in, in terms of beef or lamb as well. So there's a phenomenal amount of information obviously being gathered there, uh, Jim. Uh, you also mentioned you you have um, a livestock weighing system can you tell us a little bit about this
2: absolutely um yeah we only launched it last year um properly it, it's been it was it was almost launched before covid but covid kind of put the brakes on it for a while um but we, we properly launched it last year it's called uh rice right livestock weighing system um it's it's a very nice system in fairness probably what if you were to describe it simply <coughs> excuse me it's very similar to what uh, people are used to looking at. It. So you have a tray inside in your crush uh, with two weigh bars under it, keeping it off the ground. Those two those two waybars have cables coming from them, and they get plugged into a wayhead, uh, which is a, effectively a box with ports in it. That box communicates to your phone, and um, once again via Bluetooth. Your phone syncs with with your ICBF account, so you it brings down all the all the all the animals you register in your herd at the time will be will be on the phone there's two different ways then you can you can um up, there's two different ways you can identify animals first one is if you use an eid wand so as as you know keith a lot of uh, all, all stock now is eid tagged yeah. um so you can use your eid wand reach in this is this is this is connected to your to the to the way right system you you beat the ear you and the, the system will will pull up the right animal the, the, she'll step up on the scales, get her weight. Immediately, the system will check: is that a, is that a reasonable weight? Is that is it possible that she's that weight? So you know, just for example, if if a leg was left off the tray or she didn't step up properly onto it, the system will flag you straight away and say, "Look, that's not possible. They couldn't." You know, average daily gain is 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 too high or too low from the last measurement. You're going uh, if it if it's an OK measurement, it it'll give you the, your average daily gain since your last measurement since birth. Um, um, as well as the breed and the age of the animal, all up on the screen in, in real time. You don't want to touch anything. The other option for identifying animals is just by searching by the jumbo. So very simply, put in the last three three digits in the tag or four digits in the tag, and it'll filter down all the all the tags in your herd that match that. So very quickly, you'll 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 find the animal that you're looking for. Um, the all that information will be uploaded once again back up to ICBS. It'll also go into our version, our um, a dashboard. Um, it's on Grassland Tools. Um, there you can go in, and just for example, what we're finding is most of the equipment we're selling is actually going to dairy farmers uh, weighing replacement heifers. So one of the features we have built in is if you, as a, if you're, you're rearing your 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 replacement heifers, you put in your targeted breeding date. Um, We'll, we can take that informa- the, the genetic information from ICBF and make a, a pretty good um, estimation of what that cow's heifer's hef- hef- terminal weight will be. So we'll, we'll tell you based on your, your average data gain to date, her current weight, and your targeted breeding date, will you hit 60% of their her mature body weight at breeding? So we're kind of trying to you know, give, give farmers as much notice as possible to either cull them out and put them on a different feeding regime or you know, maybe wait a bit later to pull them or you know, just to make, make good decisions around that weighing data. Okay, very so good. Hopefully story. that kind of explains
1: it. So it's really taking, I suppose, the, the margin of error and making you know farming decisions a lot more accurate. Where can uh, people find out more about your products, Jeremy?
2: Absolutely. Um, if you go to moregrass.ie, so it's M-O-R-E-G-R-A-S-S.ie. Or you can give me a call on 85 861 Um yeah, we're like I said, we're based in Shannon. We have we have pretty good backup. Um yeah, um looking forward to hearing from any of your listeners. And if they if they mention this and uh, that they, they heard this interview, we'll we'll also uh, apply a, a discounter. We might actually include that um A zero whiteboard. So that four foot by three foot whiteboard of your farm map with the grasshopper. If uh, your listeners mention they heard this, um, we'll include that for, for free. They're normally two hundred and fifty euro but we'll include them for free if they mention this.
1: So there's one for everyone in the audience.
2: <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Than thanks very Bye. much, Jeremy. I Appreciate you coming on Country Life.
2: You're very welcome. Take care. Thank you.
0: Country Life brought to you by your credit union. Education. From enrollment to graduation. Your credit union supports your education. Credit unions in Ireland are regulated by the Central Bank. Terms and conditions apply.
1: So we're delighted to have Michelle McGrath uh, from Animal Health Ireland, AHI, um, on the line with us. So, uh, Michelle, you're very welcome on to Country Life. I suppose, firstly, you might tell us um, a bit about yourself and what your role is with uh, AHI and maybe explain to our listeners uh, what it is in case there's any um, people unfamiliar with AHI. Okay,
3: thanks for having me. Um Um, I grew up on a dairy farm, I guess, and uh, I studied ag before I did veterinary. I've been working with Animal Health Ireland there for the last three years. Um, Before that, I was in mixed practice, but I kind of always had a, a keen interest in herd health and kind of disease prevention. So that's largely what Animal Health Ireland do. They facilitate training and education to establish good kind of herd control programs around various diseases like um, Amacita, Sione's, um, BVD, I guess everyone will be familiar with. Um, and I guess the main goal of them is to contribute to a profitable and sustainable farming through Im- um, improved and better animal health. So, um, yep, there's a, they have a great website with loads of resources on it, especially for ground um, calves, uh, which are very useful at this time of year.
1: Okay. Uh, you also did a very interesting article there in last week's Farmer's Journal on calf care. Um, you're also involved in running a number of calf care uh, events, uh, Michelle. Can you tell us a little bit what that was covered at the uh, calf care events?
3: Yep. So we had, um, I think it was 15 or 16 calf care events across the country there in January. Um, Granny Dwyer and my colleague was uh, largely involved in organising all those. There are collaborative projects between Chag- Chagask and the co-ops around various areas. So they were they were held every year before covid but this, they haven't been on for the last two years but this year they're back and they had great attendance as i suppose the key topics um, the team was back to basics so we were focusing on managing management at weaning signs of calf health um rearing um performance indicators um and there was a bit about Knowing how how much animals can fit, you know what size shed is suitable for number of animals based on um sizes and measurements of the house. So it was it was more of a back to basics. And as I said, there's actually the, um we produced a booklet for it, and that's that's on our website as well under the calf care section. if, if anyone wants more detail on it.
1: Okay, very good, very good. And um, Just in relation, I suppose, hygiene, uh, Michelle, is obviously very important, you know, cleaning out calf pens and calving facilities. You know, I suppose they're usually always clean at the, at the start of calving and that, and I suppose as numbers, you know, build up in the next few weeks there, we, you know, farmers are calving a lot of calves er, cows every day. Uh, I suppose if these are not, you know, cleaned regularly during the calving season, could we see, you know, a buildup of bacteria or diseases in these pens?
3: Yeah that's, that's the problem unfortunately and it was always um, around end of March to April when, when we would have been called to calf problems um, because of the build-up of infection from throughout the calf season. So um, I suppose we can never overemphasise the importance of hygiene and keeping the houses as clean and dry as possible. So it's not recommended to power wash um, during the calf season because uh, bacteria needs the moisture to, to multiply and grow, so just um, a dry, clean, like use lime to kind of dry things up and keep the shed as well bedded as possible. Um, I suppose if you have a sick calf, try and isolate them, um, especially if if like crypto is a problem, you know, there's only an infected calf has the potential to Spread the disease to, to hundreds of calves so it's just to have those things in the back of your mind if, if you do have um, sick calves but having mentioned crypto I suppose it's, it's all about getting good quality colostrum in there from the beginning Um, it can help prevent a lot of diseases and I suppose again as time goes on people start getting tired and um, your, your attention to detail might slip a bit but it's trying to keep these things in the, in the back of your mind and, and do the best you can for for every
1: calf. Um, and just in relation to colostrum, obviously it's very important for passive immunity and that so that to pass the pasta, um, all the nutrients in that and you know, um, the immunity onto the calf we'll say. How much um, yep. uh, f- of a feed should the calf get for the first feed as we'd say, uh, Michelle?
3: Yep. Yeah, so as as you know, the calf is born without any immunity, so it's really so important to get the clostrum in and, and in fairness I think most farmers are aware of that now. Um so we have the one, two, three rule, which is for the first feed, um, it should try and give it within two hours and to give three liters. So that works out about eight and a half percent of the body weight. But obviously if you have a smaller Jersey type calf, then you'd give less. But if you have a bigger calf, you'd give a bit more. Um, their guidelines, I suppose, ideally you'd like them to drink it. It just makes the second feeding easier. And if they are drinking and they're drinking well, then I, I, w- I wouldn't I would go stopping it. Like if you got to three liters, if, you, if they drank a little bit more, it won't do them any harm. Um, so yeah, it's around around eight and a half times of their body weight. Um, I suppose just on colostrum, everyone is kind of aware the, of that one, two, three rule. But sometimes um, what gets forgotten is going back to hygiene. Um, it needs to be collected and stored as hygienically as possible. And it should be used within. Um, if it's if it's stored, it should be stored in a fridge or a freezer. If it's being stored in a fridge um, only, you know, if it's not used within two days, then it's not recommended to be used. Um, but it can be stored in the freezer for uh, up to a year uh, once it's collected hygienically. You know, any any dirt that gets into the classroom actually affects how well it's absorbed by the cast. So. That's why it's really important to um, try and feed clean colostrum, from have your buckets as clean as possible because the bacteria does multiply quite quickly in, in a dirty bucket, especially if the clostrum is standing there for a few hours and it's warm. Um, yep, so it's, there's loads of little things, unfortunately, to remember, but um, it's good to, to have these refresher calls
1: about yeah, them. Yeah, and I suppose speaking of uh, colostrum, Michelle, you know, testing and the quality of colostrum is obviously, you know, very important as well. I suppose for yeah. our listeners, how do you test for colostrum and what are you looking to see when you do test it?
3: Yep, well, I suppose the, the most accurate way of testing is using uh, what's called uh, a brick refractometer and that probably sounds a bit sciencey but but it's, it's really just like a small mini telescope which you look into so you look into it and at the other end, you can there's a little glass slide where you can place a little drop of the colostrum. Uh, you, so you place the colostrum, close down, there's a little flap, it's a glass flap. And then you look in the other side, like as if you're looking out a, a telescope or something like that. Um, and then on it, when you look in and hold it up to the light, you'll see a scale. Um, it's quite easy to see it goes from like north to 30 um, and there'll be a line and a different color it's usually kind of blue and white so it's obvious very easy to read and if if it's above 22 on that scale then it means it's good it's a good quality colostrum and, and it's suitable to be fed uh, there are other ways of measuring it but that's the most accurate Um, some of the others there might be a cl- colostrometer that you might be familiar with that you put in a bucket of milk but it can um. It's affected by temperature and so it's, it's not as accurate. Those BRICS refractometers are, are easy enough got on Amazon or if um, you're friendly with your invest they could probably order one for you as well.
1: And we see, you know, a lot of farmers are, are now vaccinating, um, you know, against pneumonia and other, um, yeah. other, other areas as well, we'll say. I suppose, what uh, are your thoughts or maybe views on advising farmers to vaccinate their calves against pneumonia?
3: Yeah, well, I suppose we we always recommend firstly to discuss it with your vet. They'll they'll know each farmer, you know what goes on in each farm. But in general, if pneumonia is a problem on your farm or scour, there are vaccines available. Um, and especially if you're buying in calves from a pneumonia point of view, and there's a lot of mixing, or if they've been out of market um then vaccination is uh definitely worth considering um but i, I suppose it's just worth pointing out that it, it will, like if you if you do have an ammonia problem and you, and say if the ventilation is wrong in the shed or, or if there are a lot of drafts um or if there aren't if there if there isn't enough bedding then vaccines aren't going to fix all those problems it 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 will help with disease but it won't um solve problems so it these these things have to be in place as well, you know, and obviously good colostrum and good calf management. But vaccination definitely has a role to play. But just to, to point out that it won't solve all your problems if that's what you're expecting.
1: Very good. Thanks very much, Michelle um, McGrath from AHI Animal Health Ireland. Thanks very much for coming on Country Life. Some uh, brilliant uh, tips there and advice for farmers um, uh, who are all obviously very busy at the moment with calving and lambing. So thanks very much for coming on Country Life. So that's it this week from Country Life. We hope you enjoyed the show and if there are any queries about this week's topics or if you'd like a topic covered on the show, please don't hesitate to email me at countrylife@galwayfm.ie. At that's countrylife@galwayfm.ie, and we'll get back to you. So until next Tuesday at 7pm, have a lovely evening and next up is Melodies followed by The Nightfly with Donald Mahan.